Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Sunday mornings on The Score. Oh, here's the Prez. Here comes the Prez. Here comes the Prez. Did you ever think, Paul Sullivan, when you were a young man in the bleachers at ball games or even a, a young writer out there in the bleachers at Wrigley Field trying to pull stories out of Bill Veck. Did you ever dream that one day you would not only be the president of the Baseball Writers Association, but you'd see as bizarre a season as this, during which you are the president of the Baseball Writers Association? This is strange times indeed, Paul. Yes, uh, the first pandemic president, and, uh, you know, that'll be my legacy. Introduced the Zoom era that ended all baseball writing as we know it. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. God. I, I hope that's not the case, but, you know, it's, yeah, uh, so it does change. <laughs> yeah. It, it does Look change things quite a bit. It, it really does change things quite a bit. It's like I'm so used to going to, you know, a bunch of games during the course of the year on both sides of town to cover. But right now, as long as I can log in, I'm kind of I'm, I'm, I'm doing just fine from the homestead, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Uh, Joe Blow, uh, who's got a Cubs blog in Dubuque, has the same access as uh, the Chicago Tribune, Chicago Sun-Times, the score. Uh-oh. It's uh, Uh-oh. It's kind of scary. Boy, this escalated quickly. All right, look, I understand. There's a lot of stuff that we want to talk about, Paul Sullivan, and I appreciate your time and and your friendship. Uh, we, um, We are in the midst of some crazy stuff. The Cardinals, if they start Thursday, Assuming that this Pirates series is going to be postponed, as I think it will, they're, they announced that they won't be getting together for three to five days yesterday. So if they start Thursday, they're looking at the prospect of trying to squeeze in 55 games in 46 days. That doesn't seem very possible to me. So I'm sure we're going to be looking at a situation where some teams play 60, some teams play 57, some teams play 50, 47, like we're going to be asked to accept that at some point. Do you suspect that is the case? Well, I do now, but, you know, I was impressed last, I don't know, it was Monday or after the initial Cardinals outbreak where they did the reschedule of all the games, you know, uh, Marlins, Cardinals, Phillies, everybody. And it seemed yeah. like, oh, well, that, that, that was pretty quick thinking. And they, they, you know, they know what they're doing here. And then there's another outbreak, and now it's you know back to square one for the Cardinals at least. And 
and their opponents. So, uh, you know, they're going to, there's no doubt they're going to have to play a lot of double headers uh, the rest of the way. There's just no way around it, uh, which, as you said earlier, you know, uh, in this injury plagued season is not going to be uh, very conducive to, to good baseball for them. So I would have to say that they're pretty much uh, cooked for this year. I mean, uh, they could have an unbelievable, you know, recovery and, uh, you know, win, win a lot of games. But, I mean, they've played five games. <laughs> it's almost three weeks into the restart. It's just uh, really unbelievable. And uh, it's a shame for the Cardinals, but uh, it is interesting. I'll say that. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, so look, baseball's having to be creative, and and Rob Manfred is showing a great capacity for creativity, and um, seemingly a capacity uh, for shame. Like he's not, he's he's okay. He's okay with where we're going here, Paul. It's like, yeah. you know, like as long as they get a year, and and I'm in the awkward position of enjoying every damn minute of it, and um, and working within it. So so I'm cool with it, um, because am, it just kind of I'm with you, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. like it is what it is in this crazy time. I love that they're playing. I love that they're trying to do as much as they can. It's a sport where you can play and not transmit the disease from team to team. I think they've figured that part of it out, and that in itself means it's a success. So yeah, you're cool with some of the some of the adjustments that are being made here. Well, I'm not. You know, I'm not big on seven inning games and uh, stuff like that. I I made my, you know, I said that my piece about the, uh, the new rules about the extra inning base runner. I don't like that, but you know, now that they're here you just got to deal with it. And, uh, you know, any baseball is better than no baseball, but, uh, the Cardinal thing is such a dilemma because I mean, they're so far behind now. And if they cancel this pirate series, then, you know, that's, you know, just adding another layer of difficulty They they're supposed to start out with the double header, Thursday against uh, the Tigers, two of the games canceled from the original outbreak. So my theory was since they're in Chicago the next weekend, or next, yes. yeah, it's next weekend, that uh, the second day in, they should move the Cubs game, the Cubs-Brewers game is at night, move that to the day, have the uh, Cardinals, they're already playing the White Sox in the day Saturday, and just have them play the Cubs at night in the kind of a Sox-Cubs doubleheader. It would be historic. It would be interesting for baseball. And it's a way to knock at least one game off the schedule. All right, so let me wrap my head around this, because this was the inspiration to call Paul Sullivan, as if I ever needed one. But here's... <laughs> I've got both the Cubs schedule and the White Sox schedule open. Do I need the Cardinals schedule open as well? Do I need an abacus to try and figure this out? Walk me through it uh, one more time. The Cardinals uh, are visiting the White Sox. Yes, Cardinals are visiting the White Sox. They have a 115 game on that day. It's uh, next Saturday against the White Sox. They're in for a three-game series. Remember the Field mm-hmm. of Dreams game was canceled, so they yes. moved that to Friday, and that, that Field of Dreams date, that Thursday, they're, they're going to go play the doubleheader with the Tigers. So you don't want to play a doubleheader Friday. That would be asking back-to-back. That's too much. But Saturday is doable. Um, they play against the Sox in the daytime. Mm-hmm. The Cubs move their Brewers game up to the daytime. And then they just hop on a bus or, you know, you could hop on the L, but you don't want to get mugged or anything. So hop on a bus, 
drive up to Wrigley. Uh, don't even go to the locker room because you don't want to, you know, have the Brewers upset or anything. Sure. So uh, just go straight, play the game, Joe Madden style, American Legion. And then uh, after the game, go back to your hotel, shower, and next morning you're back at Sox Park for another game. See, this is the great opportunity that a two-team town of consequence really represents. And let's face it, how, how far is it from Yankee Stadium in the Bronx to City Field out there uh, near near Flushing? I mean, that's yeah, that's a bit of a haul. Far. Well, I think it's really? I think it's a no, little bit. I think far. it's more of a haul. I mean, look, Cubs and Sox is it's nine miles apart, man. It's like thirty-five hundred yeah. south to thirty-six hundred north. This is nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. The the Angels. The Angels and the Dodgers are a good hour and a half uh, without traffic away, maybe an hour and 10 minutes, something like that. Um, You've got... The A's uh, and Giants are pretty far. You'd have to take the BART probably to do that. Yes. Yeah, you you take the BART. You just hop on your team bus, however you got from hotel to, to, to guaranteed rate, and easily go north. All you're asking the Brewers to do is play a day game on Saturday the 15th instead of your scheduled night game. And yeah. I'm sure they'd have to, some TV issues to work out. And then the Cubs play a day-night doubleheader. Day against the Brewers, night against the Cardinals. Cardinals are playing a day-night doubleheader. Day against the Sox, night game against the Cubs. And yeah. then everybody resumes their regularly scheduled Sunday afternoon programming on Sunday the 16th. That's next weekend. Who says no? Who's the most likely no in this scenario? Paul Sullivan. I would say Manfred. <laughs> uh, <laughs> really? He said yes yeah. to so much. Here, but here's the thing. Well, it's not his idea. It's like, so, oh, you know, yeah. if it came oh. from the president of the baseball writers, it's, I'm probably the worst person to uh, come up with the idea. <laughs> but, uh, if Best it came idea from, wins, uh, though, man. A-Rod, if ever we're in a year. Or if it came from Carl Ravitch, maybe, or somebody that he likes, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe he would think about it. Bob Costas. So why didn't. guy. Yes. Why didn't you forward this to Heyman, you know, or, I, yeah, or to yeah. Carl my, my bad. I just woke up and I was thinking, you know, I think this is a good idea. And it, it probably isn't. There's probably a million reasons why it wouldn't work, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. The, the I don't know. Come on, Yankees Paul. Did that. Remember the Mets and Yankees did that for a doubleheader maybe six, seven years ago? With both both of their ballparks. Stadium and then went to City Field that night or vice versa. Yes. Yes. Or maybe it was Shea, but I think it was City. Well, well, here's the deal. The only thing that's really changing is the Brewers television project, that product, that day. If you're Marquee and the Cubs, you still have the Saturday night game. Um, if you, if you are the White Sox, well, I guess the White Sox, uh, their, their game getting bumped up as well. So the NBC sports Chicago, no, their game's in the daytime uh, anyways. Their game's in the daytime. So yeah. So that's not changing at all. So, and the Cubs are just getting a bonus game. That's bonus inventory for Marquee. They'll jump at that. It's Brewers television. And are we going to let Brewers television stand in the way of a great idea like this, Paul? I don't think so. God, God forbid. I know Lori Lightfoot would never allow that to happen. So uh, <laughs> let's do it. I think you should. Uh, I'm, I'm passing the torch to you and, and you can okay. uh, carry the flame for the score and uh, bring okay. it home. Cause... All right, I'll do it. 
Yeah, we're, yeah. we're known for supporting ridiculous causes with absolutely no shot of ever happening. So yeah, this, Manny this Machado in, to it, the Cubs, as I recall. <laughs> was that that's your? Right, that's no, right. No, that wasn't your. It, no, it was Parkins. Uh, that's, oh, okay. uh, that's Parkins. Yes, the, the show of lost causes is what he likes to call um, the afternoon guys. Um, all right. Well, I like the idea. And um, and you got to be you got to be thoughtful and creative to try and squeeze in a game these days. So I'm not uh, I, I, I like it. And I'll, I'll do what I can. I'll see if Ravage will take my call um, and then okay. he can call, I appreciate it. Call Manfred. Uh, all right. Cool. Um, are you excited for the return of Pat Venditti? He, he pitched last night. It's Venditti, right? I always, I, 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 the switch pitcher of the Miami Marlins is back, baby. No, and he got into I the game. I did not know last that. Night. I did just see that yes. Anderson was designated for assignment from the White Sox. So they must oh. have been listening to your show. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Andrew called Anderson. up uh, yeah, Ruiz yeah. from uh, Schaumburg. So. Yeah, that that's a brutal uh, moment. Thank you for sharing that. That is a brutal moment uh, yesterday yeah. when Drew Anderson is expected to hopefully give you three or four innings and instead can't give you one, and, you, yeah. and your game is toast. Now that that, that to me, you know, not not to change the subject from Venditti, but that to me was disturbing yeah. because the White Sox really do have a chance with the expanded playoffs and the, you know a, a good team, and it, it doesn't really show much urgency uh, when they're like just tossing out a bullpen day like that and throwing a guy that is designated for assignment the next day. Um, you know, it's just, I think they are being way too conservative. Uh, this is really a season where they could take a few risks and the fans would be on their side and, and they're not doing it. Well, I, um, I, I led the show with that um, in talking about the Cubs and Cardinals situation, but then led the show with that from yesterday. If you're going to do a bullpen day, there are ways to do it. We've seen the Rays do it successfully. We've seen Craig Council and the Brewers do it successfully. One thing you don't do is throw out a guy who's never had a lick of success on any level in the third inning of a scoreless game. It just doesn't. Yeah. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. So, yeah, I, I hear you. Paul, and- you're, you're the best. Thank you, man. Okay, Maddie. Good luck with the uh, torch. Uh, <laughs> thank you. I will carry that torch, Drew Anderson. Uh, Drew Anderson. It is. Uh, it is. It is now said being designated for assignment. Speaking of former White Sox designated for assignment, um, Luis Basabi, the outfielder that the White Sox des- designated for assignment. Basabi will has been claimed by the San Francisco Giants. They've acquired him for cash considerations. And um, the Giants placed Jordan Humphreys on the restricted list to clear a roster spot. He was picked up uh, in exchange for Billy Hamilton. So Luis Basabi, a member of the San Francisco Giants. Now, somebody was listening and called in and wanted to talk. Are you kidding? Yes. Yes. Steve Stone joins us next for an impromptu visit right here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. The pitcher warming up in the bullpen from the Baltimore Orioles, a 12-game winner already this year, Steve Stone. He hit the spot with it and strikes out Dave Parker. And so we have played one inning in the 1980 All-Star Game at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. And we have no score on a lovely warm summer evening. I have been in the city of Chicago since 1973. I love Chicago and it's been just a great place to be during the summertime. Baseball on both sides of town has been very good to me. I remain the only, uh, the only person who's ever played for both teams and broadcast both radio and television for both teams, and I take that as a badge of honor. Hit and run Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. A well-deserved badge of honor. This segment on The Score brought to you by Northern Illinois Food Bank. Steve Stone is an absolute treasure talking baseball in this town and thrilled as always anytime we get a chance to welcome him in to hit and run on a Sunday morning. Good morning, Stoney. How are you, sir? Hi, Matt. You know, I, I was out driving my car and I, uh, David yeah. Kaplan, Chicago's own David Kaplan, invited me to come and see him. I didn't know that it was normally a helicopter ride out that far. So I was driving back and... I have an alert on my phone. Every time Jason yeah. is on the air anywhere, I, I get alerted. But I was hearing you discuss uh, a number of things, including family matters, and, and Jason has a balky fetish, so he, of course he brought that up. And you were talking about Albert Pujols, which was the subject. And I saw him play, by the yes. way, in the first game that he ever played. It was, in, um, it was in Arizona. It was against the Diamondbacks. And he faced in that series, he faced... Uh, Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling and a starter by the name of Albert Descends, who was pretty good. And I looked I at Albert. Descends, yes. Yeah, Albert was spread out, took everything inside, hit it to left, took everything out over the plate, hit it to center, took everything on the right of the plate, and, and drove it up the gap in right center. I called up David Kaplan. I was on his show, and I said, good news and bad news for you, pal. And he says, well, what's the good news? So the good news is there's a great young hitter on the horizon. He said, what's the bad news? I said, he's got two cardinals on his chest. And at that point, you didn't hear a lot from the Florida teams. We were in Arizona, and I was seeing pools for the first time. And I said, uh, there's a great new hitter in baseball 
His name is Albert Pujols. You probably haven't heard his name. You will. He's going to be outstanding. So when you guys talked about it, you talked about pretty much um, what he got paid for in Anaheim was different than what most guys get paid for. In our game of baseball, Matt, we tend to pay guys on what they did before and mm-hmm. what they might do for the first three or four years of an extended contract like Albert has signed or Manny Machado signed or Bryce Harper signed. Maybe the only guy still functioning at the top of the heap after quite some time is Mike Trout, signed a huge contract. But there's every every reason to believe that all of these guys are going to do the same thing. They are going to have diminishing skills because it's a game of attrition. Baseball is going to have to change that because of the economic realities of the sport. It's not going to be real popular mm-hmm. with the players, but the way I see it is, you go to a modified football situation. Baseball contracts, because, number one, um, you have a very strong players association. The union is really strong. It was started by Marvin Miller. Consequently, you have arbitration, you have free agency, and more importantly, you have full guaranteed contracts. And I think you don't have to go as drastic as football, although football is guaranteeing more money now and a signing bonus. But I think baseball mm-hmm. eventually will have to get there. The players will come kicking and screaming into there. But, again, there's economic realities in our sport. If we have anything that resembles this year where owners' revenue is cut substantially and you have guaranteed contracts across the board, financially it's untenable. Everybody believes that every owner is making tons and tons of money. And you know where they make their money mostly? They make it in appreciation of the franchise when they sell. Well, a lot of these guys don't want to sell. Mm-hmm. So in order to keep the game solvent and prospering, there's going to have to be some accommodation uh, on that scale. And again, you know, the Players Association is not going to like it. They're pretty, they're pretty used to 100% guaranteed. But um, I think we're going to see that. And also, if anything like this happens again, I think baseball has to rethink what they're going to do. And I like the idea of the bubble in Florida and the bubble in Arizona. And if you have to have a third, put the Central in Texas and have your, your three bubbles so that people don't go in and out, so that you have a situation, you can avoid a situation, like what happened in Miami and St. Louis, for whatever reason. Let's, you know, let's say that it's going to happen. But think about this. It happened to the Cardinals, who were probably a playoff team, and Miami, who were probably not. What if it happened to the Yankees and the Dodgers? What if the Yankees, instead of seeing Judge and Stanton got hurt again because, uh, unfortunately, look, Stanton's a great player, but, you know, when you have a body like Reggie White and it acts like Betty White, you can't stay on the field, and that's what's kind of happened with Stanton. But, um, you know, you've got to keep your players on the field, but if it happens to those guys and the Yankees are playing with five guys named Smith and two guys named Jones instead of their stars and the Dodgers don't have Bellinger and they, and they don't have, you know, their stars, hmm. um, then – I think our game maybe has to shut down. You don't want don't, the Yankees with a backlog of seven games, eight games. Yeah, see, but I, I don't know. I've wondered what that's going to be. The very first day that all this was happening, again, Bruce Levine and I were on the air, and Freddie Freeman's positive test came in. It was like, uh-oh, that's a big market team. That's a contending team with a big star. They mm-hmm. withstood it. Now we have, look at all the things we've seen. The Marlins on their second batch of players. Um, you know, I don't know. This is, How about the Cardinals? The Cardinals are one of the big five or six behemoths. Even though they might not spend that way, they're thought of 
in that way. They're not as big as the Yankees, Dodgers, Red Sox, Cubs, Nationals, or right. maybe Mets, but they're right there. They're seventh or eighth, if, if something like that. I don't know that this is going to stop baseball. I think they're relentless this year, Steve, and I'm okay with it, but I think well, they're look, relentless. Yeah, yeah, well, they are, and look, here's the problem. It's always been one of the problems of baseball, for better or for worse. You have a commissioner. It doesn't matter who's the commissioner. It's Manfred now. It was Bud Selig, who Bud was a, a wonderful friend of mine, and he had labor peace for 25 years, which is somewhat amazing. But the commissioner is elected by the owners, yet he is right. the commissioner of all of baseball, including the players. It's almost an untenable situation because you really aggravate some people. And he has a number of different jobs, but the most important job the commissioner has is make the franchises appreciate and make the owners money. That's just the job description. That's what happens to whoever is the commissioner. Same thing in football, same thing in any sport. So to accomplish that, you have to play the playoffs. I agree that we have to play the playoffs this year. It would be really nice. However, you get one more Miami and one more Cardinals, and you do one of the major teams in there, then it becomes really difficult. They're juggling now with the Cardinals. Every time they think they have it under control, a couple of more positive tests. Okay, so let's say that they isolate that and everything is fine. With the status quo the way it is, you play the playoffs because that's the big payoff for yep. the owners. You play the playoffs, you play it through to the World Series. The owners, yes, they won't make as much money, but they will make some money. The players are happy with the money they're making, although it's prorated, so they're not ecstatic, but at least they're doing something. And all these people who depend on baseball for their livelihood have to understand that the fans, the people who watch, the people who normally come to games, but they're not at games now, but the people who watch this, the people who stream it, the people who are intimately involved with it, the fans who are emotionally invested, they truly want baseball. I would argue that in some respects they need baseball. I think the country certainly appreciates having a normal summer, at least seeing baseball games. There's a vested interest for a whole lot of people to play it through. I think they're going to make every effort to play it through. I'm just hoping against hope that it happens, that we do have a World Series. You can put asterisks and you can say, well, it's that and that. But the point is, it's still baseball. It's still being played. And like you said, you said, you know, I'm all right with this. I can sit back. Yes. I, I can watch the games. I can enjoy it. I can do media. I can talk about it. There's so much information at everybody's fingertips these days that you get to live with the game again, and, and hopefully we see that. But I think they also have to have a plan B and plan C. And I think if this happens again, if it carries over for whatever reason, plan B or plan C probably will be some sort of bubble, the thing that basketball is doing. You know, when when I when we talked about all the, the many possibilities in March or April about what this might be, I, I was okay, and I still would be okay if it actually, absolutely had to end up being a total of like, 25 30 games in a round robin format like like uh you know like a, a version of essentially soccer's world cup where you establish your postseason field and then you have your full postseason i mean you take what you can get in certain situations like this i do need to go back to something you said about the commissioner steve because i i let out a sound uh because it's of course true that the job of the commissioner is to is to make money for the owners. This is true in every sport. We haven't had 
somebody who was truly seemingly intentionally out for the well-being of the game in any sport in a long, long time. That does create an awkward disconnect for the fans. It, it creates an awkward clash of like the romance of how much we love the game and want the best thing for the game. And then seeing the business side of it, you understand that disconnect. It's, it's very, it's awkward for the people that I talk to on a daily basis, but this is, this is the way of the world. It, it functions just as you said, with the owners taking care of their own first. It's just the way of the world. But I know you understand that there's a convergence between the two. And I think it was wonderfully illustrated by Bud Selig. Bud was taking a lot of heat from a lot of different places, but the one thing that was never questioned is his love for the game of baseball. He grew the game of baseball exponentially. And also, when he did things like brought in the wild card, what that does for baseball is it's another round of playoffs. It's more teams involved. What it does for the fans are if you were living in Detroit in 1984 and the Tigers went 35-5 and in the first 40 games, Everybody in the division said, okay, well, I can turn off my TV now. I got no chance, no chance to win at all. That's what the wild card did to a lot of other cities and a lot of other fandoms. Yes, again, the convergence of what's good for the game of baseball, what's good for the money-making enterprise that is Major League Baseball, you have to converge both. I think Bud Selig did a great job. Rob Manfred is trying to do what he can. There's with that job is going to come a tremendous amount of heat. But you have to stand something. They're not paying Roger Goodell $44 million a year because he's not making money for the owners. I mean, that's just the way this goes. And so um, you just have to look for the good of the game. And I think mm-hmm. the greatest illustration, and I can talk about it, number one, but it was a friend of mine, number two, he was there for so many years, you could really evaluate his body of work. I think he was the embodiment of a guy that grew the game, He talked about the internationalization of the game. He talked about a lot of different things with the idea that you are only as strong as your weakest franchise, and if they're making money, then everybody's making money. And a rising tide elevates all boats. That's what all the commissioners are trying to do. And so Rob Manford is still growing in the job. He can't be the finished product that was Bud Selig. He's just starting. And, you know, there's no end of pressures to these guys. they got to make decisions that are unpopular. I think he'll probably get better. I think with expansion, and, and by the way, expansion is going to be accelerated because let's just call it a billion five for two expansion franchises. The owners of all of these teams are going to divide $3 billion, which is going to help soothe the loss of revenue from this year. So where we might have seen expansion five years down the road, maybe you see it in two years down the road. But the owners will then get an infusion of cash, whoever is an existing franchise owner, will get some of this money they're losing this year back. And again, I think all of us associated with the game, you included, everybody who's listening, we want to see the playoffs this year. And whatever whatever the game goes to, it will going forward. But this year, I think it's important for everybody to play this season to its logical conclusion. And the players have a responsibility to not go out, to stay in, to try to stay protected, to do what they can do by wearing masks, and the league came down with a, even a stronger edict than they had. It was a couple of days ago. They don't mm-hmm. want to see the things they were seeing on the bench. They want to see everybody take this seriously because of the vested interest that players, fans, owners, everybody associated with the game has in playing this to the World Series. 
A couple more moments in an impromptu visit with Steve Stone, and we appreciate his time here on 670 The Score. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. Um, first of all, what you were responding to and hearing was an episode of Good Comp, Bad Comp, this thing that yes, Jason Benetti and I do together. I, I need a vote. I need a vote from you, Steve Stone. Is Albert Pujols' career, is it more like Dexter, the serial killer series, or is it more like Family Matters, the, uh, the, the beloved family show with Urkel as the main what? character? You tell me where the John Lesko, um, where, where that particular um, series of episodes fell. Because to me, if that fell outside your four-year parameter, that was brilliant television with, with Lisko, Lithgow as, the, as yes. the villain, a wonderful villain he was. And, Absolutely. And that, that, that was magnificent. Um, I lean toward you only because... Um, I honestly, I would almost side with Bashir el-Assad over Jason. Anything that Jason is, is, uh, is anything that he's backing, I'll go with the other guy. So in this case, Matt, I got to go with you. I'm always going right. to go with you. Outstanding. That's great. Great news. Yes. And Lithgow was very much in the St. Louis Cardinals portion of the Dexter career. Absolutely. In those first four episodes. Okay. And then last thing I got to ask you about, sure. did you see Garrett Cole, this video of Garrett Cole yesterday where his fingers stuck to his hat? Steve Stone is like they literally stuck to his baseball hat. Now, I heard you and Jason talking about the splitter versus the spitter. And you mm -hmm. talked about how friends of yours, not you, but friends of yours yes, wouldn't me. use yes, a foreign yes. substance. They used the right. American substance. Good old KY jelly. And I, I appreciate sure. that. But yeah. what what some of these fastball guys appear to be using is something something different. Does that does that stickiness help you hit 98, 99, 100 with regularity? Well, first of all, um, it doesn't have a great deal to do with any velocity at all that comes from the shoulder, the shoulder rotation, how quickly you can rotate it. Okay. What it does do is, um, and again, you know, you might remember uh, Michael Pineda who had this black residue on his neck because he was using pine tar to get a little yeah. better grip on the ball. But, you know, again, I don't know if you've seen guys rubbing what they used to call the Moda stick, Manny Moda, I think, invented. It was a reddish stick um, of, of almost clear pine tar. When, when you heated it up, it heated up clear. So you didn't have a pine tar mark on your cap or your uniform. It was clear, and you really couldn't see it. The same friends that talked to me about the spitter said, you know, it really tightens up your slider, your curveball. If you put uh -huh. it, oh, I don't know, maybe on the side of your pants or maybe the back of your neck, you try to keep it off your cap because an umpire can come out and look at the cap. If he feels for it, it's a little sticky. Um, so you do that. It, 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 it liquefies clear. You can get a much better breaking ball, much better curve or slider. You can get much more rotation, much more backspin mm. on your fastball. And that's really it. It tightens up the spin on every one of your pitches. And again, my friends said it worked unbelievably well for them. And all I can do is take their word for it. Yeah, no, I understand. Well, those are those seem like good friends. I don't know if you're still still friends with them, um, but are they available for consult if you ever needed to discuss this again? Oh, I think yeah, I think we could probably talk about it. But at this point, you know, we had so many conversations that I have I have absorbed everything they had to say and pretty much know what you can do to a baseball to make it work. Would never, of course, employ that. But if no, if the conversation comes up, I certainly understand how you can make a baseball sing and dance essentially. 
Well, yeah, I mean, the value of your informed perspective uh, via them has been has been tremendous uh, for all involved. Um, all right. So so I won't connect that to Jacob deGrom adding five miles an hour to his fastball over the last five years as he approaches age 31, 32. It's remarkable to me that he's done that. I, I, I tend I was connecting stickiness and Garrett Cole with Jacob deGrom, but maybe it's just mechanics. That's what deGrom says. He's just dialed it in and he's in the best place he's ever been mechanically right now. Well, you, you, I mean, you know about the MVP machine and Ben Lindbergh and all of the new techniques and yes. driveline and everything that goes with it. And the max effort pitcher, the four seam guy, as opposed to the two seam guy, not looking for run, not looking for sink, looking for a riding four seam fastball. Now, again, you can make that fastball spin so that it has a little extra life to it by adding uh, some sticky substance to your fingers in whatever way. It's not just that clear pine tar. There's all kinds of things. There's lots of sprays. There's everything else. And even my newer friends tell me the inventions are phenomenal, that you can't really tell, but you do get more spin on the ball. So if you remember going to Houston, every one of these guys that got to Houston Look at yep. Verlander's spin rate when he was in Detroit. Look at it when he got to Houston. Look at yes. Morton. Look at, at Charlie Morton when he was not with the Astros as opposed to when he was, and he's carried it over now to Tampa Bay. I mean, the breaking ball is astonishing. It's amazing, and I'm sure it's purely coincidental that spin rates across the board for Astro pitchers completely um, completely went up across the board with all of their spin rates. And, and now – it's gone all over baseball. So once, you know, you have guys do it, everybody starts to do it. But that's the reason for the life on fastballs. That's the reason guys have gone to four-seamers. That's the, you know, that, that, that's the, um, the Trevor Bauer uh, yes. influence on the game and driveline influence where you, you go to four-seam fastballs. Bauer used over 50% four-seam fastballs his last outing. That's a product of the new indoctrination of the game. But let me tell you something. You look at the Indians' pitchers. They all pitch. They're all in the 93-94 range. They don't all use four-seamers. They want their guys to pitch. They probably will have a much longer shelf life than all of these max effort guys. I guarantee you that. Max Mm. effort of all your breaking balls, four-seam fastballs consistently thrown as hard as you can, that will shorten up careers. I can pretty much guarantee you that, and I I, I just have seen it. I mean, take a look at Shohei Otani, 100-mile-an-hour fastball curveball that was otherworldly and I, I mentioned to Artie Moreno that if you allow him to use this splitter I said he's going to have Tommy John a second time he throws mm. too hard to throw that kind of curveball and a splitter in the same thing he was a max effort guy that's what I think for me his future lies as a hitter not a pitcher Stoney a pleasure I, I the only thing that I'm left thinking about is I wonder if some of those former friends of yours Got jobs with the Astros. I don't know. It just it would make sense for me, but it could, maybe it it's could just... possibly be. You know, you lose track of the so many people that you interact with, and it's quite possible that that's the case. But who knows? You know. <laughs> Understood. Steve, you're the best. Enjoy the game today um, Thanks, or, or tonight. Actually, you don't have to do it. You don't have a game no, tonight. Now it's Espen, we, have, right? we have an off day, and that's why not being involved with the media today, I broke out in hives. That's why I had to give you a call. <laughs> Love it. Anytime, always. Thank you, Steve. Take care, Matt. Bye. Have a good show. Thank you, sir. It's Steve Stone. It's better because he called. That was fun. (laughs) Some of the old friends, some of the new friends. Yeah, we could talk to him for hours, man. How about that? Those Cleveland Indians pitchers. You'll see another one tonight. But my God, Zach Plesak. 
Carlos Carrasco back from from cancer, remarkably enough. Zach Bieber. Uh, I mean, all these guys, let alone the ones who have who have gone on like Bauer and Kluber. There's just so many and they're all really, really good. Anthony Heron is hosting on the score after me at the top of the hour. Looking forward to Anthony's show, as you should be. He's got some great guests uh, coming up, does does Ann Heron. He's got Kirk Ferentz, his former coach at the University of Iowa, on the score this afternoon at 1.15. Make sure you're listening to Big Ant Heron at the top of the hour. Me, I'll wrap it up with our guy Chris Kampka next on Hit and Run. Three balls and a strike for Luplo. Luplo. You already saw his batting average on the screen, so I'm not going to reiterate that because I'll get blamed if he gets a hit. And justifiably so. See, you are part of the problem. Oh, a big part of it. Okay. I'm glad. <laughs> Just, I'm glad. I'm glad you're understanding of that. Strike three. Anderson comes in and gets his first strikeout of his first appearance. Even Jason could not jinx Anderson as he strikes well, out even, Luplo and keeps him absolutely I'm not going to let you the finish year. the sentence. You, I'm going to cut you off. If you're going to do that, I will talk over you all day long. One, one down for Bo Taylor. You're a well-oiled machine up here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Taylor takes downstairs on the breaking ball from Anderson. So is it Chris Kampka's fault for putting up that graphic? Chris Withers called for the graphic. Kampka built it. Nothing is ever Chris Kampka's fault. I agree. Yes. Way behind there, 94 upstairs. Chris, as you do know, is a maven of minutia. And because of that, the M&M tag, he knows everything. If you have to know something, Chris will know it. Oh, let's add that in, shall we? We call him the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago. We get Chris Cam connected every week here on Hit and Run. The maven of minutia. The M&M, baby. Chris Kampka joins us right now on the Alpamonte Ford hotline. Alpamonte Ford is in Melrose Park. I like that one. Gonna, gonna co-op that and add that right in here on the score. Good morning, Chris. How are you, sir? What's going on? Yes, you said that yesterday. I'm like, ooh, that's good. <laughs> that is strong for the maven of minutia. But it's not just minutia because it is stuff that is applicable. It is stuff that is interesting and ties in to the narratives going on right now uh, in baseball. Um, your thoughts on this day, Chris Kampka, on this day in baseball history, August 9? What do we yeah. got? Or is it August well, 8? August 8. Well, August 9. Both. Yeah. Both, actually. Uh, August 9th, 1988, was the first official game under the lights in Wrigley Field history. And yes, the man who got to say was Goose Gossage, who this day in baseball history yesterday, August 8th, 1976, was the first player to earn a save wearing shorts. But that's not it. See, Goose Gossage is the forest gump of baseball. Because not only that, in 19, uh, August 17, 1986, Pete Rose's last major league plate appearance was a strikeout versus Gossage. In 1978, October 2nd, he got Yaz to pop out to end the Bucky Dent game. And a year earlier... Ted Turner's lone game as a major league manager. When he stepped in cool. for the Braves, he lost 2-1 to one to the Pirates. Goose Gossage got the save. And before Everywhere. that, the year before that, he was the White Sox starting pitcher on September 12, 1976, 
when his 50-year-old teammate Mini Minoso recorded his last major league hit. But, of course, we all know about the infamous pine tar home run that he allowed in 1983. And then the year after that, he pitched for the Mariners in Alex Rodriguez's Major League debut. Wow. He is baseball's Forrest Gump. That is tremendous. Goose everywhere. And his name still comes up when either you see a closer huffing and puffing with imposing facial hair or you see a closer being asked to go long like two innings plus, that's when Gossage continues to come up. Uh, Chris, we just have a few minutes. Give me, give me some of your favorite nuggets about the team you cover the most, the Chicago White Sox these days. All right, so the Chicago White Sox on Wednesday. On Wednesday, it was their 12th game of the year. Danny Mendick had a three-hit game. He was already the 11th different White Sox player to court a three-hit game over the first 12 games of the season for the White Sox. Uh, no other team had more than seven. Only two other teams had seven. And they're the first team in the modern baseball history to have 11 different players collect a three-hit game over the first 12 games of the season. That blew me away. Wow. wow. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And now Zach Birdie yesterday with the seventh different debut for the Chicago White Sox this year. And Birdie looked awfully good. That's a, that's a lot. It's a lot, but I'm, I'm pretty sure the Astros have like nine or ten. So that's that's even crazier. Um, wow! Yeah, well, but, the Astros with all those all those injuries to the pitching staff, just absolutely. But, but it is something though to to be there and see Zach Green make his major league debut. We had his parents on the broadcast. He pitched really well. It's just special to see that. It really is. It's it's a magical mm-hmm. moment to be able to, you know, do something like that for for a family and have like a moment to celebrate like that. It's really cool. Um, so Luis Robert, Luis Robert with four strikeouts the other night. I think he is third in strikeouts in all of baseball, and yet the slash line still looks fabulous to this point. Seems like sliders. They're going after him with lots of sliders, and it's presenting a problem right now. It is, but he, not only does he lead the team in strikeouts at 22, he leads the hits, team in hits with 19. And so if wow. you're going to have the strikeouts, but you're going to get the production – I say, don't worry about the strikeouts. Strikeouts are a byproduct yeah. of the game. He's figuring things out. He's had five walks over the last six or seven games. He had one walk over his first eight. He'll be fine, uh, I think. I think he's learning. It seems like it. He's going to have some bumps in the road. But the last White Sox player leads the team in both hits and walks, or hits and strikeouts. Mm-hmm. There's another guy who turned 23 that same season, in 1991, the great Frank Thomas. Oh, lead? Wow. Lead them in hits and strikeouts. That's a that's a tremendous, tremendous stat. Uh, great stuff, Chris Kampka. Thank you so much. Enjoy your day, and uh, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, Speaks. Thanks a lot. You got it. It's Chris Kampka, Camp Connections, right here, wrapping up hit and run as we usually do. Luis Robert will be fine. This is baseball adjusting to him, throwing him sliders. And he will adjust. He has adjusted at every level he has ever been at. Thank you to our guest today, Paul Sullivan, the president of the Baseball Writers Association. He joined us with his crazy idea for a Cubs and White Sox and Cardinals three-way doubleheader next Saturday. Thank you to Bruce Levine, the Scores Baseball Insider. Thank you to Steve Stone for listening and calling in and being involved. That was great fun. Sean Anderson does a great job every week. Thank you to the Phenom. And thank you to Chris Kamka right there. Have a wonderful day, everybody. I'm in for Dan Bernstein this week on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So tune in to the score Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 o'clock, and then back doing Inside the Clubhouse next Saturday morning. And, of course, hit and run right here on Sundays. Anthony Heron is next right here on The Score. Have a great day, everybody.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.